Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text to pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Guys, thanks for joining us. I'm sitting here today with three of the greats at Christ Covenant. <laughs> Chaps, Howdy. Cynthia Chapa. Um, Chaps, wow. <laughs> she is our, our, is your official job title the environmental architect? Engineer. Environmental engineer, yeah. okay. I'll take either though. Okay, architect, engineer. Well, you're, you're more of an engineer because not only do you think of environment, you execute. It's true. It's you don't true. just draw pictures of them and give it to somebody. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, so <laughs> Matt, who is our uh, worship director, Matt, uh, you doing all right today? I am. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, Matt Nolan, our minister of children and families. Uh, Matt, good to have you. It's all y'all's first time. Glad to be here. On the talkback. We got first time talkbackers. Chaps joins us for all of these because she is our, she's engineering. And so <laughs> she's, over, it's, in fact, you're, you're engineering and you just took a sip of Coke Zero and you're in the podcast. Chaps, that's yeah. impressive. Talented. Yeah, multitasking. Well, guys, we just finished up a mini series, um, not like a TV mini series, a two part series on that we called Christian Nation. And I would say like kind of the general thesis of the uh, sermon series is because of who we are now in Christ, because we are citizens of a more eternal, uh, a, a more fulfilling, a true and holy nation, because God has called us to be his chosen people, his, a people of his own possession. How do we now apply? Because that's our true citizenship. How do we now apply how we act, how we should think about being citizens of a country like the United States. And obviously there's different applications depending on the country that you're in, but being a citizen of any country. So guys, just kind of before we get started on some specific questions, was the series helpful for you guys? What are some impressions you had? Uh, what are some takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it, I thought it could be a lot longer. Um, just raises so many questions, uh, so many interesting sort of, you know, even even philosophical and theological questions. Uh, and for what we were trying to do, did you kind of like? I mean, First Peter two is just a great place to land for that. I mean, there's a lot of meat yeah, yeah. there. To your point, yeah. I mean, well, it's in, could have been a lot longer just staying in that one chapter. Yeah, First Peter two is interesting, I guess, because it, it's. Uh, it, it it drills down. I guess it, it does get a lot more practical into how how we how we should act uh, in response to the way God has set up things and the way you know the institutions have been set up as well. Matt Chaps, any thoughts? Yeah. yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, uh, I really appreciated just how you um, preached straight out of First Peter two, and um, the concept of um, citizenship. You know, you hear you hear talk about the kingdom of God, I never really thought about when I heard that, um, the word citizenship. So it was really good to think about um, that there is a, a greater nation that I'm a citizen of. Mm -hmm. um, it's very good. 
That's good. Chaps, anything? Yeah, I think it just provided clarity. I think we talked to, or y'all talked about this last week on how we have this belief that we live in a Christian nation as in as if America is a Christian nation, but just providing that clarity that the actual Christian nation is much bigger than ourselves. Yeah. It's this world right. new, new basically family that we're in, and it's not just subjected to America. There was a there was a post World War II kind of American mentality that developed that the whole world kind of depends on us, um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that that you know if whatever you want to call that that myth that ideology is totally bizarre. I mean, we you know God used the United States of America to really bring and restore a lot of peace in the world during a great world triumph. So that developed out of something that was real. However, you know, I think we've kind of run with that. And and I think that that has infiltrated all the ways that we think to the point where a lot of Americans, I think, think, well, like the state of the church and the hope of Christian missions and the hope of like the world's prosperity or whatever depends on the United States of America. And again, as Christians, as people that we see ourselves as proud citizens of the United States, but we see ourselves ultimately as citizens of this global kingdom where God is calling people from all nations and all tribes and all tongues to himself. We understand that, no, actually, the Lord is at work in many different places, and our true citizenship um, is not dependent on the United States. It actually is as grateful as we are for the United States. It actually transcends the United States. And so, yeah, that was something that I was... I was hoping to break us away from this kind of over-spiritualizing of the United States that that can occur in Christian circles. Yeah, I mean, even when you go overseas and they ask you where you're from, they just assume you're a Christian. Because right, I think yeah. we created this this kind of culture here where everyone's a Christian because okay. is a Christian. Nation. And actually, that's what I was trying to clarify too. So, yes, that's that brings up a good question. Something that so I've gotten some feedback on. I don't know if if y'all just had conversations last week. I basically said America is not a Christian nation. Um, yep. It it flows out of Western Christianity uh, as kind of like a big system. Uh, and I was just trying to give a little bit of nuance there between Christianity, mm-hmm. which obviously we would say is an understanding of salvation in Christ, God's Son who came to Earth lived a righteous life, died in our place, resurrected to a new kingdom that he calls us in, kind of the core of the gospel, the core of Christianity. Um, America is a part of a Christian or a Western Christian superstructure that holds on to values and principles, a general belief in God, a belief in God's providence, a belief in God's care by um, believing in God's providence. All of those things are a part of Christianity. But they are not themselves the true Christian gospel. And I think that was kind of the delineation I was trying to, to get. Yeah, there. and I think those categories are helpful. It's, an, it's, it's kind of like similar. You, you can take the categories for almost anything, but it, you know, the question is, is the, word, is the term Christian a noun or an adjective, right? So like with music or with other things, you know, there's tons of conversation around that. Is this, is this chord progression... When you say Christian music, what is this chord progression Christian? Or right. What does yeah, that even yeah, mean? Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or is this a Christian taco? Or what does that what does that even mean? So I th- I do think the categories are helpful because it, it takes 
uh, it reemphasizes the fact that a Christian Christian isn't an adjective. It's it's more of a noun. And and Christianity has is obviously existed in many different ethical and moral and philosophical superstructures. So Christianity, for example, was born into Judaism. That was a ethical and moral superstructure. Uh, it existed in pagan Romanism. Um, that was an ethical, moral superstructure that was different from Christianity. Then, of course, it kind of built its own superstructure that I'm calling Western Christianity. Not everyone that was living, for example, in the Holy Roman Empire was a Christian, but they were all like living in a value system that was framed by Christian ethics. But Christianity existed within that superstructure. And then now, of course, that Western Christianity is take, giving way to Western secularism, Christianity still exists, even though the superstructure around us is going to be very different in years ahead. And of course, I'm, I'm giving that tale from a Western perspective. Christianity has existed in Eastern superstructures um, also all along the way. It's actually existed in every kind of moral superstructure um, around the world. So, all right. Questions that you guys have, maybe things we didn't get to um, that you want a little more meat on. Yeah, you talked about just the order of citizenship um, and how now because we belong to this new Christian nation, like we are to be subject to the authority. Um, so what do we do when there's injustice? When do we know when just to, you know, have let God um, do what he's going to do and when do we know when to step in should yeah so should chris is the posture of christianity just to be passive yeah sure. yeah and 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 i uh i think it's a great question and again it's hard to read um passages like first peter 2 and not say okay well am i supposed to just take it i i think that the answer is sometimes you are and i think that kind of the, the normal American Christian mindset enters into, uh, uh, as I said in the end there, a desire for vindication too quickly. We're too quick to kind of enter into culture wars. We're too quick to kind of like want to win arguments when really I think we should primarily see ourselves as ambassadors for the kingdom of God. If you look at the model of Jesus, um, he certainly humbled himself and he certainly uh, took on, you know, persecution, if you will, for our sake. But he didn't always do that, right? I mean, there were other times where he challenged what was going on. There were other times where um, he sought to question things. And so I think that's really a good model for us. You know, I would just say, like, there is a time to stand up for justice. And God has given us um, means of justice that exist that we should pursue. Um, but there's also, I think the kind of guiding light should be, am I doing this to glorify God or am I doing this for the sake of personal vindication? Mm. And I, I, so for me, you know, a lot of times uh, I'm not concerned about injustice that doesn't apply to me, right? Well, that shows that I'm not fully surrendered to God, right? I should love justice because I love justice, not love justice because it benefits me. Right? Right. And so I think Christians in, in a situation where others can be served, where it's going to give us you know, a platform, should be willing to be, I think this is what the text is about, be willing to be persecuted 
um, for a time in order to uh, ultimately you know, see the gospel go forward, see the glory of God go forward, and trust that some things are pleasing to God that we, we can't really understand. Yeah, and I think what happens when you do stand up, when you do take that platform, you will get persecuted. Because like you said yesterday, it is against Western culture. Usually the beliefs are still there, but not necessarily the reasoning behind them. Yeah, and I think, and again, I think a willingness to be persecuted is actually powerful. I mean, the, the analogy I gave at the end of the sermon yesterday was kind of the, a comparison between Nation of Islam, Malcolm X, and like Martin Luther King. Well, right. which one had, which one of those guys was more passionate about their cause? Well, probably they were both passionate about their cause. But which one of those guys actually changed the culture of America more? And I think it, it's the one that was willing to be persecuted and wasn't always just seeking his own vindication and retribution for the wrongs that he'd received. It's so. a really great point. I also couldn't help but think about, uh, as you were talking about Nero and obviously the, the, the crazy um, sort of leadership that he held there, um, not making any political statements in this, but I couldn't help but think of, of Trump. Obviously, the, the principle is, or the question is, how do you, how do you show honor to someone who is dishonorable? Um, and, you know, obviously the, the power structures are totally different and the, uh, maybe the intensity of, of whatever's happening is different, but there, you know, there's no question Trump, Trump is a bombastic personality. Right, yeah. So, so what is it, basically, what is that, uh, how can we contextualize that question for us here today? Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I, uh, and again, I just want to be clear. I mean, there's no comparison between Donald Trump and Nero. I mean, one was a murderous, crazy person. One is a bombastic, uh, you know, at times I think lack, lacking self-control and patient, you know, man. Um, but the, the question is a good one. Um, you know, and I would just say to Christians, you know, God, the, the thing that we have to believe, Matt, is that the governors, the mayors, the congressmen, the president that are in place are not in place outside of the sovereign will of God. Which that's a hard thing to believe, and it's a particularly hard thing to believe, you know, uh, you know, in the case of Americans with Donald Trump, you know, I think there is an honor that Christians need to show. And the same is true of Barack Obama. So I know a lot of Christians, you know, now that, you know, they, they certainly recognize Trump's uh, uh, antics, uh, his, you know, the, the drama of Donald Trump, and they recognize that is not a great thing, but they really like his policies, and so they'll defend him, they'll get behind him. Um, and, you know, I think there also is a difference between honoring someone um, and blindly defending someone. So I think that's something that should be noted, right? Um, you know, you can honor someone and call them out on their faults all at the same time. In fact, that is actually a more honorable thing to do. Um, but because a lot of these Christians like Trump's policies, they'll defend him. Whereas like Obama, a lot of Christians did not like uh, many of his policies. And again, I think it's right from a Christian worldview perspective to disagree with some of uh, Obama's policies. Um, but the kind of disrespect that I saw there, 
probably wasn't as disrespectful as a lot of people on the American left are toward Donald Trump, but it, it shouldn't have been known among Christians. And, and I think the same would be true of Christians toward Trump. Christians should, we're called to honor the emperor. I mean, that's, it's a clear command in First Peter. And so again, honor doesn't mean um, never critiquing. It certainly doesn't mean that. Honor doesn't mean being, not being passive. Honor means showing respect for the office as something that has been designed by God. Honor means um, uh, not being callous toward the office. Um, honor means um, showing respect. I mean, that's what it, what it means. And so can, can you critique Obama's policies? Can you critique Trump's behavior, for example, uh, in an honorable way? Sure. Um, but I think when, when people just blast them, that's, that's not what God is calling us to do in Christ. I don't know, does that, does that help? Yeah, no, I think, I think even the last thing you said kind of is really, really practical and helpful to, to uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you speak to anyone and you're, and you're sort of rebuking anyone, uh, you can do so in, in a way that's mean-spirited or arrogant or demeaning, or you can do so in an honorable way, that, uh, in a way that remembers that person's made the image of God or whatever, yeah. or, or much less, than, you know, uh, or much more. In, in this case, you have the image of God and you have the, the sort of office, office of, of presidency. So, yeah, I think that's a very uh, helpful piece of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, typically, like, how would you talk to them if they were there, right? Yeah. And you're typically more honorable to people when you're face-to-face with them <laughs> than you are behind their back. And that's, I think, the way Christians should always behave. So. so I had a question to that point, too. We're talking about where Peter writes, honor the emperor. Um, and, you know, I get the fact that we um, have a government that's for the people, by the people. And you made the point that it's a government um, of us. Uh, but that's, that was a little confusing to me when you made the point about who's the emperor over our citizenship. So um, how are we the emperor over yeah. our citizenship? Can you clarify that a little okay. bit? Okay, and, and certainly, Matt, you know, if this wasn't clear, like, yes, like we have elected officials that are in positions of authority that we should respect and honor. Right. The amazing thing about America, though, is that we have a choice to make. And no one is above the people, right? That's the amazing thing about this country that was very different than first century Rome. So, you know, Donald Trump, for example, will not be our president forever. Right. Because, well, obviously there's term limits. Um, but, um, you know, the people can vote him out of office. No, no political officer uh, is guaranteed. I mean, even, even sometimes when we say, you see this, like sometimes the most powerful senators, the most powerful uh, people in political office can get beat. By their own district, uh, you know. I mean, think of—I uh, mean, I think like Ted Cruz, who was up for the president of the United States, very popular Republican senator, almost was beaten by Beto O'Rourke in Texas. Um, right now, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky is being challenged, uh, and you know, who knows how that's going to go. But the the point is, is nobody's appointed for life. Uh, all of these people are ultimately governed by you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just urging people to realize the incredible responsibility that we have. Another thing, you don't have to be a part of a certain class to run for office. Matt, you could run for office. Matt, Papa could be the next senator. Senate, Papa 20. Let's go. Papa 2020. Um, 
you know, Chaps could be the this first. This is the official announcement. Yeah, right. yeah. Chaps could be the first female president of the United States. Who knows? And so, again, the, the amazing thing is, is like the government's not this thing that exists out there. You are the government. And that's the amazing responsibility that we have um, as Americans. And as Christians, I was just urging people last night, like, look, like, don't thwart the responsibility that you have. Like, be engaged in the political process. Be aware. Go vote. Run for office. I had a guy come up to me last night. He said, hey, I've been thinking about running for office. And I was really happy to hear that. And, and, and one of the reasons I say that is I think because we don't want to be over-enchanted by politics and over-enchanted by the power of politics in Christian circles, we don't want to super-spiritualize politics, and that's good, that's right, that's part of the warning of this whole sermon series. We can also become so disengaged and disenfranchised uh, in the political system, and that's not helpful either. That's certainly not what God's called us to, particularly in this American moment that we're in. So help us remember in the in the passage, what is the exact prophetic word to the emperor? Well, and yeah, that's a good point. So what does it say? It says the emperor exists, the governors exist, these leaders exist to punish evil and to honor good and to do good. And I said last night, if you remember, um, you know, I think that Peter and Paul know that the governors and the emperors are going to get their hand on these letters that are saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing, um, even though some of them weren't behaving that way. But yes, God instituted these things so that they would behave this way. But the amazing thing about that passage, Matt, is you know later when it's talking about how we should treat our masters, servants should treat their masters, it says, be good to the good master, but also to the unjust master, which that's an amazing thing. And this is what I was talking about earlier with you chaps, like Christians... I think a Christian posture, it's not that we never pursue justice, it's not that we never pursue to correct people. We do. We use the channels that are available. But we understand, even when injustice occurs in this world, that God is still good and that God can use those things for the sake of his glory and that we should have a humble posture before him, realizing that sometimes we will face injustice um, in order for God's glory to be known and that God is still working out good even in the midst of, of our pain. Any closing thoughts, guys? There are none. And so for Cynthia, Chaps Chapa, Matt. Except for uh, Papa 2020. That's Matt, Papa 2020. Yeah, well, give a, give a final plug. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I want to make Atlanta great again. All right, Papa 2020. <laughs> Keep it and, great. Matt Nolan, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.